Welcome to Healthcare Beat, a healthcare podcast brought to you by Seiferth Shaw's cross-disciplinary healthcare team. Each beat will focus on key industry trends and the latest developments while identifying practical takeaways for those in this space. I'm Adam Lawton, partner in Seiferth's corporate department and host of Healthcare Beat. Let's jump in. Today, we're joined by a guest from our DC office, Jamaica Saliga. She's a partner whose practice focuses on intellectual property and FDA matters. And today we'll be talking about all things related to the COVID-19 vaccine or vaccines and their status and sort of the diffusion of those vaccines throughout the country. So Jamaica, one thing I'm sure everybody listening has someone in their lives who is refusing to get the vaccine, not because they don't have access to it or can't get it, but just they don't want it. Um, one of the reasons you often hear is, well, the vaccines aren't FDA approved yet, and we don't know if they're safe, and yet they're routinely being given to people. So how does that work for a product to be administered in spite of having no FDA approval? So one of the things that the FDA used um, as a tool when this pandemic began was their powers that were given to them by Congress many years ago for handling emergency public health situations. So Congress has allowed them to make whatever rules and authorize whatever's needed to in certain circumstances and in certain very limited circumstances. Those limited circumstances, of course, were triggered by the pandemic. Once the Department of Health and Human Services declared that it was an emergency and a public health emergency, the FDA immediately started thinking about how they can get treatment and prevention out to the public as fast as possible. However, the FDA is always concerned about safety. So what they did is typically a vaccine will have to be approved approved by the FDA, which requires submitting a biologic license application that explains all kinds of information, not just about the, the active ingredients, but about each and every one of the other ingredients, about the dosages, about even the inert stuff. And they'll also have to present a lot of data. Typically, to get approved, the vaccine needs at least six months of look-back data. So six months after you've taken the vaccine, to be able to follow up and say, everything's fine with this. The FDA in the fall 2020 came up with guidelines for how they would judge and how they would approve without actually approving a vaccine. So they're not approved are authorized, and they're authorized according to a set of criteria and guidelines that the FDA developed trying to weigh the impact of having millions of people dying with safety issues. So one of the things that they agreed to, there are open public hearings, very long open public hearings for any vaccine manufacturer who is trying to get approved. And the vaccine manufacturer has to produce almost everything that they normally would to get approved. Some of the differences, they don't have to go into many details with respect to the manufacturing, not the manufacturing of the actual virus, any lots of, sorry, the, the actual vaccine, that they need lots of information about that, but any of the information about ingredients, the other, you know, the other formulas. They also did not have to do six months of look back. So if they do six months of look back, that would mean pushing off the authorization of vaccine until spring of 2021. So they would review and authorize 
under their emergency use authorization powers, vaccines, if they had two months of look-back data. There still needed to be clinical studies with thousands of people. They still needed to determine the dosage, the exact dose of the vaccine that people would be given and that would be effective. They had to show it was effective against the COVID virus. All of those things had to be done. They just didn't have to do some of the more rigorous things that are required to get an approval. The U.S. has one of the most rigorous drug approval processes in the country. So the FDA was given and took advantage of their ability to make an emergency authorization of vaccines that met the characteristics of showing safety, efficacy, if not having kind of the long-term review that would normally be expected. One thing I know a lot of people are excited about, and I include myself among these, is the prospect of getting their children vaccinated for the upcoming school year so they can send them back to school without worrying so much. So what's the most recent news about vaccine approval for teens and children? So on May 10th, um, 2021, Pfizer was authorized to provide its vaccine to children 12 years and older. The other vaccines are working towards uh, getting that adolescent authorization. Um, Moderna has submitted a new um, emergency use authorization request for adolescents 12 to 18, and they did that on June 10th. That is in the queue for the FDA to look at and determine whether Moderna you know, has provided enough data that they're safe and effective for adolescents. There also was a very interesting review that occurred of pediatric indications, and that occurred in early June. And the FDA, again, they're trying to standards and determine what's going to be needed for authorization of, of younger kids. So the younger kids are less likely to be affected, much less likely to have a fatal case of the disease that they can carry and they can spread. So currently, the thinking is that the EUA is going to require two months of follow-up clinical trial of at least 1,000 adolescents. When it comes to younger children, that's still being decided and weighed. There's talk of putting it into the normal vaccine queue that kids go through. We'll just have to wait and see, but um, hopefully we'll be getting at least middle schoolers, high schoolers vaccinated and giving them more than just one choice of vaccines so that we can roll it out much quicker. Obviously, when there is a vaccine that is authorized in such such short order and on an emergency basis, there will always be big stories about problems and incidents and side effects. So what is sort of the most recent story about those sorts of issues in the vaccine rollout? So in the spring, J&J experienced a 10-day pause where their vaccine was not able to be administered while the FDA was reviewing a potential side effect that had been reported. And this, this was blood clots, a very specific type of blood clot. That pause only lasted 10 days. After that, the FDA determined, based on reviewing all of the information and, and the understanding of kind of the genesis of that blood and how it's related to the vaccine, that the vaccine's benefits still greatly outweigh its risks. So what Janssen has to do now is they have to tell people ahead of time that there is a risk of rare blood clot. All drugs, all vaccines have side effects and potential and potential side effects. The goal of the FDA is to keep them as rare as possible. And 
you know, if we were to not allow anything that had any kind of side effects, we wouldn't have any, any medicines, and we definitely would not have emergency authorized medicines for this pandemic. Now, what just happened uh, last week, um, actually last Friday, on June 5th, 2021, and the FDA concluded a review of Pfizer and Moderna's vaccine and found that there's a very small risk of heart inflammation. This started out as a report of heart inflammation, the muscles of the heart and also the muscles around the heart in teenagers by Moderna. And the further research has determined that there is a slight side effect relating to inflammation. One of the things that the FDA noted is that if you get COVID, that inflammation, you know, heart inflammation is much, 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 much worse. So the COVID vaccine can cause a little bit of heart inflammation, tends to be a little tightness of the chest. That is being told to people that are taking Pfizer and Moderna. All of these side effects are being monitored. The FDA has what's called VAERS, Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. It is something that anyone, recipients, caretakers, healthcare providers, manufacturers can enter data regarding uh, side effects, adverse events. That's all collected and is able to be mined very quickly. There's also, for, for this seen something new, um, which is called vSafe, and that's text messaging. So the government has been sending text messages and surveys on people that have been vaccinated. It's all voluntary, whether people write back on the text, uh, information is gathered from the CDC, but it's another way of checking in with Americans and checking in with those that have been vaccinated to make sure that even though the vaccine is only authorized, it is still out there benefiting the public. So we got three vaccines, the three that you've mentioned uh, here in the U.S., all in very short order. And then, you know, it's been an ongoing process of rolling them out and getting them distributed to the right places and then expanding the authorization for younger people. But are there additional vaccines that are currently in the works? In addition, those three vaccines that um, are authorized, I think all of three companies are working t- getting an approval. So having that six-month lookout, having that comprehensive additional data and information. Pfizer and Moderna have both applied for a full FDA approval, and that was in May and June of this year. The timing for approval will be as early as the second half of the year. When we see that approval, we may see differences in also the populations that can be protected. Otherwise, there are still people out there, and there are still kind of that are very close to developing another vaccine and vaccines that are more specific, particularly to some of the variants that we've encountered. Novavax is expecting to request authorization in the third quarter, and the FDA recently turned down an authorization request from Ocugen. Ocugen provides a vaccine in other parts of the world that other countries allow. The FDA wants to see full information, so they'd like Ocugen to submit a full approval to the FDA rather than allow an emergency use authorization. One of the biggest things right now, though, is focusing on booster trials. Are we going to need boosters? When are we going to need boosters? Much are we going to need boosters? In other words, trying to determine how long, you know, our protection lasts when we're given each of the vaccines that we do have available. So while there's still work and definitely um, research going into new vaccines, there's a lot of research on thinking about how are we going to handle this pandemic in a long-term way. Jamaica, it's always so good to get 
all this information about the vaccines and their status in such a condensed and concise fashion. If you had to boil down, you know, what you've told us today into two or three key takeaways, what would you say those conclusions are? The first thing is that the FDA's authorization of vaccines was not without a lot of consideration, a lot of data. So the FDA did determine that benefits outweighed the risks before they allowed these products onto the market. The next takeaway is that the authorizations are exciting. They are looking into pediatrics. They are developing and already have some approvals uh, for those and over. You know, we're looking forward to seeing more people be eligible for vaccines. The third main takeaway is that the FDA is monitoring and looking at the rollout. They're evaluating needs. They are continuing to set criteria that companies need to meet and evaluate how to move forward uh, based on what we continue to learn about the vaccine. I think that all these factors are important for everyone to keep a close eye on, particularly for healthcare providers as well as employers, particularly those that are facing questions about whether they should require the vaccine or otherwise even encourage the vaccine among their employees. And we'd like to thank Jamaica for sharing her time and expertise with us today. And thank you for joining us today for another edition of SciFarth's Healthcare Beat podcast, bringing you the latest developments and pressing issues in healthcare. So you'll never miss an episode. Be sure to visit SciFarth.com, where you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or SoundCloud. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star rating and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. We look forward to having you with us again soon.